The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Ben, how are you, sir? Well, I'm doing pretty good. How are you this morning? Yes, absolutely wonderful. Uh, been looking forward to our to our chat. Clint, should we take it from from the beginning? How, how did your your journey start? Well, that's a that started a long time ago. I I just turned uh, well seventy nine a few weeks ago, months ago, I guess. And uh, so <clears throat> I have to go back a long way. <laughs> Anyhow, I uh, my whole background. I grew up in Montana, which is kind of a rural state, northern U.S. Uh, I started out, um, you know, chasing cows. I was a cowboy. That was a boy. Sits on a horse and rides the pasture and makes sure there's no weeds and makes sure the water's okay. And and uh, sometimes you have to spend three or four days out there at a time uh, just taking care of the herd and keeping them fed and watered and healthy. But anyhow, when I was quite young, I, I was taught by my grandfather, fortunately, said that, you know, he said, well, you, your job as a cowboy is to sit on that horse and to go on and ride the pasture and, and look at all the animals, make sure that they're healthy, make sure they're happy. And if they're not, there's something wrong with one of them. You take them out of the herd, you put them in a holding pen and then go ride the pasture, make sure there's no weeds, make sure there's no, um, the grass is not too short, uh, check the water, make sure the water's okay, make sure there's not a dead animal upstream or something. But something in the pasture contributed to the health the poor health of that animal. So I I grew up and I was always taught prevention. So if I ever hear somebody say uh, they're experiencing this or experiencing that, I always ask, well, what, what's causing that? You know, because something you did, something you're doing, or something in your environment is causing uh, unhealth because in nature, health is the body's most natural state. You have to work hard and long to screw up your health <laughs> uh, yes. in the nat- in the natural world. So anyhow, that's where I started out, and I spent you know a lot of years in that. But when I was in my early twenties, I discovered the cable television industry or television because uh, I was born in forty four, so in around fifty four, somewhere in six. No, that was sixty four. I'm, I'm off ten years this morning, but but anyhow, so I. I I discovered, um, and, and again, I grew up in a small town in Montana, but, you know, two TV stations, one right, one left, two newspapers, one owned by the, you know, one power and another. And so you, you live in a little microcosm and, and all you know is what they feed you every day, <laughs> you know, the news or the media or the stories or whatever. And um, so anyhow, but when I saw that we could, and this is just in the early days of cable television, we could put an antenna up on a mountaintop and pick up a signal from Great Falls or Helena, Montana or somewhere, uh, or use microwave and bring a signal up from Casper, Wyoming, and then eventually Denver, Atlanta, and the world. But but it started out, you know, one step at a time. But the more I saw the the bigger world, you know, bigger than Montana, bigger than where I grew up, then all of a sudden I could see the news, I could see the people, I could see, wow, there's a real world out there and there's all this stuff going on. I want to be part of it. So <clears throat> so anyhow, uh, I've always been in love with, um, you know, supporting that industry because uh, it, it gives you an eye on the world. You don't have to like what's on it. You don't have to be a part of any of it, but you need to know it's there because it's it's who you are. It's part of the world you live in. And, and so I I remember back in, God, I don't know, in the early 70s, somewhere back in there. Uh, I was giving a talk up in Canada at a cable television convention, and the computer had just surfaced. 
And um, <clears throat> we kind of knew what we could do with it, but there was no infrastructure and no consumer education. So nobody really, you know, it's going to take 10, 20, 30, 40 years for that to evolve. But I remember saying one day, I said, one day, the poorest person standing in a rice field in the middle of China is going to have access to the same information as anybody on Wall Street. And here we are now, you know, 20, 20 something. And, and now it's everywhere. Everybody has access to absolutely everything by and large. So anyhow, that's kind of my background. Um, but how the grounding and all of that comes into being was that in that industry, you had to ground anything electrical to the earth. You had to actually connect it to the earth. Uh, that was to uh, for shielding, to push away uh, extraneous environmental signals and to protect the data that was inside, you know, so not to corrupt it and, and so on. And and further, if there's a lightning strike or if there's a any kind of an atmospheric electrical event, you need to be able to ground that charge. Uh, otherwise, it'll get into a home, blow up a TV set or screw up the communication system or it can, and primarily starts fire. Um, you, that's why everything in the household, uh, the homes, started putting grounding systems in by and large around 1960, 1970 because of fires and poor wiring and mice getting in and eating a wire and shorting out something and causing a fire and so on. Uh, and um, but anyhow, grounding's been around forever, but normal people don't really know what it is, anything about it, other than it's, it's a lot of the guys know. Well, that's that little round round hole on the outlet. That's what the ground is. And most people, when the refrigerators and everything came out that required grounding, they went and cut the pin off so they didn't have to rewire the house. So nothing was really grounded. But and then everybody started getting, you know, you could get a little shocks or this or whatever and so on with those big appliances and so on. And and, and so anyhow, I, I just have a 30-year working knowledge of grounding uh, electronics, equipment, transmitters, receivers, you name it, everything in order to maintain the um, electrical stability within these systems and to make sure that everything works and we don't get some accidental static or charge that'll screw up whatever, you know, and anything can go wrong, electrical will go wrong. So ground is your friend. So, but anyhow, that's kind of where um, I came from. And, and then I'm, I'm now pushing 80, but 30 years ago, I retired from the cable television industry because it turned into a big business. When I was involved, it was about uh, creating new channels or creating networks or, you know, building out the possibilities of what it could or should be. It turned out later that big corporate America or big corporate world came in and bought it all up, took it all over and turned it into a primarily an advertising medium uh, in order to manage the minds of the people and get them to buy the soaps and the things that they are promoting and et cetera. That's a whole story all by itself. I never, that was not part of our, our dream or our goal or what we thought we looked at <clears throat> having a hundred channels or a dozen or today, 500, a thousand so that everybody could have their own channel. If they had a voice, whether it's a school it could have a channel of the city could have channels the educational channels um everything you can imagine i was involved in helping put together a lot of them everything from the discovery channel to you know all of these different things and i didn't found the discovery channel but we were all involved in developing these uh, multiples of channels so we had what we called narrow casting so if your interest was this, then you could go here and hear something rather than broadcasting, rather than just having 
one thing on at seven o'clock or three things on at seven o'clock and you had to choose from it. Here, the, you could have 300 channels or whatever and go choose the one that fit you or what served you at your age and stage in life and all those kind of things. It was a great concept. I still love it. <clears throat> the cable industry didn't work out because the, um, you know, corporate took over. But what did work out was I remember when um, Steve Jobs and uh, Wozniak were, you know, in there building their first, some of their first boards and ships up in Sunnyvale. <laughs> and, and we kept, we didn't understand uh, a lot of this, except that we used a lot of type computer type equipment and, or, and, and, but anyhow, <clears throat> once we understood we could transmit signal over a satellite, bounce it off a satellite. This was in the seventies. Everybody thinks it's ancient. This is all modern stuff, very modern. But anyhow, once we realized we could bounce a signal off the satellite in, in, in Atlanta and pick up a signal in Missoula, Montana and broadcast it like a local channel. I mean, that changed the world. And, and then all of these things like, uh, I fell in, this was before the computer, but I fell in love with getting information to the people. I didn't want to control it. I didn't want to tell you what you want to believe or what you care or how you, I didn't want to get anything to do with that. All I wanted to do was open up the floodgate. And, and the reason was because in the early days, um, and I've, I've been around the radio and news industry my whole life, uh, even when I was very, very young, um, selling advertising for a dollar a holler on a local radio station. <laughs> um, but, any, but it's all fun. But anyhow, I, I had a lot of friends with uh, UPI, United Press International, and AP, and and you have all these stringers all over the world. Every day, somebody's out there collecting news and putting it on the wire service. You know, you're a UPI stringer, so that means you can put anything that you find newsworthy on, on the thing. But over 90%, if not more, of those stories that are put on the wire services around the world, they end up on the cutting room floor. All of that work, all of that energy, all of that effort. And, and the reason is because there's only so much room for news you have to have an equal amount, if not more, for advertising. So it was all this game. And I was more of a purist. You know, I just wanted the world to be able to know everything. And but the cable and but the computer, when Waz and all those guys were making this make sense, then all of a sudden we recognized that uh and the and the what I did is I went around the world actually and gathered up all the data services for every wire service in the world. Xinhua from China, TAS from Russia, Kaido from Japan, all of them. <laughs> and I put them in a unified data stream, bounced it off of a satellite in Boulder, Colorado, came down down uh, to a, a downlink, and then they put it on the cable system. And then we had a little piece of software. If you had a Commodore 64 or an early Apple, you could take and put this software in there. And then if you're interested in if you owned IBM or something, you type in IBM so it would capture. So the data stream was forever transmitting all of the data from all of the wire services in the world. And you picked your what you were interested in. You picked, you created your own new electronic newspaper. Now, this was way ahead of the time. Uh, this was way ahead. And um, But anyhow, the people who loved it the most were in Hawaii where they had no television or anything. <laughs> they had no news. They had nothing, you know. So it really went over big in certain areas. But it, but it ended up uh, serving the news to the media rather than the consumer because the consumer didn't have computers. Didn't really, you know, it, we, I was 20 years ahead of my time. I've always been 20 years ahead. So, But anyhow, so I, I've always... Um, uh, you knew that something would come along to replace, rather than have broadcast newspapers, broadcast television, broadcast radio, we would have narrowcast, meaning thousands of channels so anybody could find what they want and, and, and or create their own channel. Now, in the last number of years, you, you, you know, cable television came along in the 60s and it's, it's going to disappear in the next 20 years. 
it's it's all internet. It's all wireless. It's, the world is changing. So nothing, no matter how you invest in it, no matter what you believe in it, it's, it's all going to come and go. It's all going to evaporate. But what's beautiful about all of this is the internet. Now, every single person on the planet can have their own channel and they can identify with their, their group or the people or the subjects they're interested in. And that was the objective. And it finally came about. But so I could see this, you know, when I was in my twenties and, um, so that's who I am. I mean, I, I just love this medium and I love teaching and educating, but, but most of all, um, the grounding was a byproduct. You had to ground everything in order to have decent pictures, decent sound, good quality data. And I can go further if you want me to. Uh, no, I'm just, uh, the one question I've got to ask you, or my, my little boy won't let me forget it, is when you were a cowboy, did you, were you, were you good at lassoing the cows? Oh. Well, yeah, absolutely. You have no choice. You have to. That's the only way you yeah. can get a hold of them sometimes and, and cut them out and put them in a pen. Yeah. No, that's what you do in your spare time when you're doing nothing else. You're out there twirling the lasso and practicing and, you know, on, you're trying to, you know, you're you're going to lasso your brother or somebody or your some they come to town. You're going to lasso them, tie them up behind the horse and drag them for a little bit. You know, just, you no, know, that's fun. That's all part of part of life. I suppose, Clint, we're talking a bit of a conflict of interest, aren't we, with what we call the mainstream media Um, in as far as it's not really in the interest of these big corporations to to promote good health. Um, So you have all these channels. And, for example, I think very few of them are going to talk about what we're talking about today or diet or breathing techniques or the... Right. Cold, cold water immersion, all the stuff that's kind of come up through the internet, I suppose, I, I suppose right. we could say. Yes, definitely. If it weren't for the internet, most of the stuff couldn't be here. <laughs> yeah. That exactly. we all, that we all play with today. Um, yeah. It's a uh, corporate America. You know, you can, you, you have to go back in to the animal kingdom, I think. Um, because if you go out in the pasture and you just watch the animals, <laughs> you know, they're all very territorial. You know, they're very protective of their food. They're very protective of their, their mates and so on and so on. But this animal spirit that everybody talks about once in a while, um, when, when, when people started companies, uh, you know, you could go back when they discovered oil or when, you know, Hershey made the first chocolate bars and all of these things. And so they all had a lot of competition, but usually the guy first there, you know, has got some um, presence or awareness and people tend to follow, you know, the leader. And, but anyhow, as time went on, these corporations became so powerful financially um, that they could control everything. Um, And it's not that they necessarily wanted to. I don't think some of these people are, were uh, ill-intended. I think in the early days, they were just entrepreneurs going out there and, you know, nobody else was doing it. And they went out there and then when other people, competition came, then they got into a war and then it turned into, you know, whatever. But as time went on, that really, the, the actual entrepreneurs who made the products, I don't think were ever the real problem. I think that it was corporate America who bought up all the media and all of the distribution channels and, you know, the networks, the television networks, because whoever controls the video, the, you know, the ears and the eyes, what's going, what people are hearing, what people are seeing, whoever controls that. Um, there's an old, I remember one time I was sitting in an edit bay in Denver, Colorado, and we were editing some uh, film for some event or some something. And I remember one of the editors, a young kid there uh, sitting there, and he had like a million dollars worth of electronic editing equipment that he could go in there and just do anything. And he had this big dark room and everybody could come in and sit and watch. And, but he was like, he was like a God. 
because this person could go in there and he could take the scenery, chop it up, put it into places where it needed to be. It did shoot in a half hour or, a, you know, a um, 30 minute commercial may take eight hours or 30 second commercial. So it's, you know, so then you you have to bring the music and whatever and you put the storyline together. But anyhow, so the, the art of uh, advertising is if you can get a person to view your commercial like seven times in a certain period of time, they own your soul. And I remember one of these editors saying, they're saying, you know, I'm God. What I put up here is what the people are going to do. And he was absolutely correct. Now, he wasn't the God, but he was at editing. But what it was is once he created that piece and distributed through local TV, whatever uh, media, then as time went on, you know, Tide became, you know, one of your number one soaps. These all came from the 50s and so on, or Bleach or whatever the names are. I don't remember all the names, but Hershey Candy Bar, I remember them because Snicker Candy Bar is my favorite candy bar, of course, when I was young. And, uh, but, but anyhow, so, but we all are trained and programmed. We are all, our brains are trained and we, it's entrained, I guess is the better word that we go along thinking that we're smart, we're this, we're that, we're doing what we want to do and whatever. No, you're doing what you've been trained to do by television. And I'm absolutely, you know, aware of it. What can you do about it? You can't do a thing about it because you have Rupert Murdoch and people like that. You know, they have so much money. They have so much. And they earned it and they have a right to do what they do, I guess. But the American people or the people of the world kind of gave up their discernment you know mm. uh, it's like there's an old in the old days like you know uh promoting smoking or cigarettes here's a doc one smoking lucky strikes and one smoking camel which one's the best they would have commercial you know around all of this stuff and um it takes about 20 years for something to reach a peak and then it'll get knocked out, like smoking and cigarettes and so on, or whatever it might be. The only thing that hasn't fallen off a cliff in 20 years is drugs, the pharmaceuticals. Now, the, once the corporate corporations who manufacture all of these things understood that we have to go around the doctors because the doctors were controlling everything. We have to go around and we have to go to television and get the people to go and ask their doctor for our drugs. That's how powerful television is. <laughs> yes. And, and, and I, I can't go, I don't want to, I'm not picking on anybody. I'm just saying this is what happened. I don't think that most of us intended for any of this to happen. Uh, this was a medium. This was, this was good stuff, you know, being able to see the world and being able to be a part of the world and, no matter what you believe, whatever you need to know, it's but got. It's got go to ahead. the. It's got to the. Uh, something that comes across to to us here in uh, in England is, and don't and don't get me wrong, you know, whatever you guys do, we we follow suit here. Well, the 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 masses do. Yes, um, m many of us have woken up to the the big swindle. But you see people in the U.S., they actually, like, badge and brand themselves on what their prescription is. Yep. Mm -hmm. ra rather than look for a way not 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 to have the prescription in the first place. It's, right. it's the ultimate form of mind control and is I'm helpless. I'm a victim. I don't need to do anything about my life. I don't need to earth earth myself i don't need to you know follow a nutritious diet i don't need to get regular no none of that i just blame other people for all for all my right. woes and the doctor's given me this so i am a victim and you have to treat me as a victim is this making right. a, a bit of sense Clint? no absolutely i remember back in i think it was 1972 you know there was uh doctors would come on tv and and scientists and they say you do not have to worry about taking care of your health anymore because the world i was from was prevention you had to always be conscious of what you ate and what you did uh, so you had energy and health 
And but they said, you don't have to worry about that anymore. You don't have to worry about taking care of your body, because by the time you're old, we're going to have a pill for every ill. I will never forget that line on television. We're going to have a pill for every ill. And I thought, how odd this is. You can't possibly be. But that was the mantra. And then the drugs came along. And so now there's a drug label for every ill you can come up with. And but yeah, the people are responsible. Uh, you know, yeah. The only thing I can, I always go back to one thing. I I spend, I'm a, I I do a podcast at least three times a week. My audience is primarily women. I mean, a lot of guys listening to it, but our customer, I mean, the people who push us around, everything. I, but probably ninety percent women. The um, products that Earthing.com sells, those are ordered 90% women. Interesting enough, 90% of all prescriptions sold are sold to women. 90% of all visits to a practitioner are female. And I kind of understand it because, you know, as guys, you know, no pain, no gain. <laughs> you know, we can take it um, until we have a first heart attack, something like that. Then everybody, then men straighten up. But the um, you can't think that you are not part of this or you don't because it's everywhere. It's pervasive. It's 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 in the air we breathe. I mean, it's in it's it's everywhere. So that, that's why the I'm kind of a unicorn because I grew up on a ranch. Everything we ate when, until I was left the ranch area. I mean, we grew it. We had fresh eggs every morning. We had this whatever. Uh, we didn't eat anything. And then when you go to town, all the milk was didn't taste the same. It was pasteurized or something. <laughs> and, and then, you know, nothing was the same. The, the yolks were yellow or, rather than orange. And, but the fruit had more taste to it. Everything was different. And then, but you adapt, you adapt, you adapt. Eventually, you're hungry. You say, I have to eat something. <laughs> and we're forced into this. Um, but anyhow, I have this innate background that says there's something wrong and I'm conscious of everything I do. Doesn't mean I cannot go eat bad food sometimes because that's the only food there is, especially when you're traveling. You know, we're electrical beings, aren't we? It stands yes. to reason that we need a connection with the earth. Otherwise, we're, we're, we're insulated. It's, it, I believe you you had an experience. Was it with a girl who was sort of semi buried in the ground when she was ill? The Earth itself has a what we call a negative surface charge, meaning an abundance of free electrons that can rapidly move. And the only thing those electrons do is to reduce charge. Uh, lightning is the most obvious example to most people. Static electricity would be a secondary. After spending 30 years in the communications industry, I, I, I retired and for four years I was doing nothing actually. And, but I knew I had to go back and do something, but I wanted to do something rather than just go chase the buck and play king of the mountain with the guys, the 50 year olds. <laughs> I, um, I, I accidentally discovered that grounding your body to the earth reduced pain. More importantly, you, you could sleep. You could sleep when you lay down, and when you're connect, connected to the earth, you can lay down and you can sleep. Where hardly anybody sleeps, and pain and sleep are kind of related because you can't sleep if you have pain. And then there's this thing called the uh, fight or flight system. Your mind is the only reason you can't ever really truly sleep is because you're in a fight or flight state. Your body's thinking about things and pumping your body full of cortisol. And the only reason you really can't sleep is because you have elevated cortisol. Because sleep is the most natural, it's innate. I mean, it's autonomic. You just, when your body's tired, it wants to go to sleep. If it's not sleeping, you're doing something, interfering with that process. But anyhow, so I learned a lot, all these things along the way. I spent like 20, 30, well, over yeah, 30 years now um, pushing this forward. And but we started out by just I accidentally uh, noticed a, a stream of tourists one day. They were walking down the street in rubber-soled tennis shoes, 
And for some reason, intuitively, I ask, I wonder if there's a consequence to us humans no longer being naturally grounded. I had not a clue. But I knew that when I was a kid, we were always grounded, always barefoot, and or we wore leather sole shoes. And then the leather was semi-conductive because uh, it, you know, it was leather. And then and if it rained, though, you had to take the leather off and carry it <laughs> so it didn't get wet and warped. Um, but anyhow, so I, I didn't know. But anyhow, I um, went home that night and I started took a voltmeter out and I started testing, you know, the I grounded the meter to the earth. And then I started testing the voltages that you could in the environmental voltages. These are anything from, you know, radio to TV to static electricity to emfs that you name it everything in your environment is electrical out there i mean we we live in a sea of of electrical noise it's one of those things you can talk until you're blue in the face but until you experience it you're not going to believe it but once you experience it then uh the biggest trouble you have is trying to explain it to somebody else and uh so i ended up going up uh, i went and bought a roll of three inch wide metal duct tape and I always tell this for the guys so they can go do it. But I went to, you know, aluminum duct tape you can buy it at the hardware store. It's got to be a real aluminum. It can't be the coated stuff. Anyhow, I, I laid it across my bed, took an alligator clip, connected it to a wire, threw it out the window, connected that to a small ground rod that I pushed into the earth. Then I took a second wire and threw it out, did the same thing. And then I brought it in. So I had two wires, one going to the duct tape and one going to the meter so when i would put my hand on the duct tape and then put my hand on the test probe of the meter the voltage would go to zero well that's just like in the communications industry we ground something and it equalizes it absorbs earth's free electrons equalizes with the earth now there can be no charge that's why we ground things to prevent noise prevent electrical noise to create stability and I didn't really knew or know much about biology back in those days. But I did have uh, some intuitive things that, like when I was young, and you mentioned, I remember one of my friends growing up was Native American, very close friend, and uh, I went home one night with him. And I don't know if it was the same event or maybe different events, but one time, yeah, they were separate. One time we went into the, the teepee. They still lived in teepees back then. A lot of them did. So a lot of them had houses and teepees. But you know, we walked back into a teepee and the mother says, take those shoes off. They'll make you sick. Had not a clue what she was talking about. Never did. Never gave it a thought except did. we did take our shoes off. And of course, it always feels better not to have shoes. And anyhow, but, but that kind of sank and I remembered that forever. But there was another event where uh, I was one of the kids had a sister who had scarlet fever. And this is back in the 50s, you know, and they didn't have a lot of treatment for things like that. And in fact, a lot of people died from scarlet fever. And, you know, they had taken her to the doctor and whatever, and then they ended up bringing her home uh, because there was nothing they could do. So one of the elders, grandfathers, built a, dug a little pit in the ground, not very deep, just a little pit laid a little bit of straw or something in it, and then they laid the girl in the pit. And then they built a fire, you know, close by. And then the grandfather sat there for like two or three or four days, every day, round the clock. And about four or five days later, she was up running around like she was okay. And I always thought that was really odd. <laughs> but those things stuck in my memory. You know, it's like grounding. There's things that I know that Nobody could possibly know because you haven't done this for a living. You don't, you know, you don't have this working knowledge. And it's like electrical is an art. It's not necessarily running wires. It's, you know, to balance everything and make everything perfect, <laughs> you have to pay attention to know. But anyhow, uh, so, yeah, I, uh, all of a sudden these things started to come together. And then I, I ended up wondering how come at the age of 54 at the time, I didn't know about this. Because I had been a skier for 30 years. I had done everything that a cowboy or anybody growing up in Montana could buy a six-pack could do. <laughs> and um, uh, so I, you know, I had my body was full of pain and I had a hard time sleeping. Advil, I take Advil to go to sleep at night, you know, whatever. So, anyhow, I, I, I 
I just kept asking him, how come I don't know about this? <laughs> and so I tested a couple of guys, similar story, ended up going down to a university in Arizona, uh, doing some look, working around, looking around in a medical library, you know, what and then going on Nexus, Lexus, data retrieval type companies and trying to just, but nobody knew anything about it. In fact, I was stunned. This was 19, you know, in 90, in middle 90s. And I was looking, I wanted to know the cause of pain because I knew when I got grounded, the pain went away. And in the literature, it says nothing. Cause of pain, unknown. Cause of lupus, unknown. Cause of cancer, unknown. Cause of anything medical is unknown. The medical industry is the practice it's practice. They are practicing. Let's try this. Or let's try this. Let's see what works for you. And so it's a, again, that's kind of an art, a little bit of science, a little bit of art, but it's experimental and whatever. But they don't necessarily have a cure other than antibiotics and surgery. They don't have a lot of cures. Uh, the rest of it is all uh, whatever. So anyhow, I spent the last 25 years producing, promoting, producing uh, over 30 peer-reviewed published papers, studies, uh, have an equal amount of peer-reviewed papers. Um, and the bottom line is nobody knew about this, except for a few thousand years ago, they knew about it. 5,000 years, they knew about it. The Chinese knew about it, uh, and they call it qi energy, earth energy, energy coming from the earth. And, um, and and so on. There's been throughout time there have been people who identified it, but nobody followed through with it or was not able to restore that knowledge in the minds of the people. Um, instead, shoes came along; they were comfortable. You know, all these modern things evolved, and over a period of all these years, we kind of interrupted our connection to the earth, but. What really happened was 1960. 1960, like, you know, autism or lupus or, you know, some of these cancers, cardio, all these major inflammation-related health disorders. If you can type your illness or whatever they're saying you have, type it into Google and then type in the word inflammation and see how many hundreds, if not thousands, of studies come up. Mm -hmm. Cardiovascular is an inflammation-related health disorder. Autism, finally, two years ago, three years ago, John Hopkins comes out and says, this is an inflammation-related health disorder, inflammation of the brain. It's not an accidental or genetic, yada, yada. But all of these modern health disorders, <clears throat> primarily cancer, lupus, MS, and so on. If I'm working, you know, long hours and have this electrical mic strapped on, acting, and, and just being around everything so electrical, it starts to just exhaust me the immune system is dysfunctioning they're called autoimmune disorder autoimmune dysfunctions and so the challenge for me and uh, and the people who came along to help me with this was that everybody said well what's the mechanism of action because we know if we ground somebody to the earth take their shoes off put their feet and hands and keep them on the earth the pain will eventually go away they're, they turn pink, their blood, vis their blood thins, their blood viscosity thins, um, <clears throat> their demeanor changes, their, and their energy comes up. All of this stuff is happening. And, <clears throat> and uh, so anyhow, we spent, you know, we kept doing all study after study after study. But one day we, I was reading a paper on neutrophils, which is a white blood cell, and it's the primary blood cell that promotes inflammation. The reason it, 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 the reason it promotes inflammation isn't because of what it does. It's, it's a white blood cell. It does what it's supposed to do. But in 1960, we started wearing these rubber sole shoes. <clears throat> that was when the Nike type, the very inexpensive synthetic shoe came out. So when we started wearing those synthetic shoes, we lost our ground. We as human beings were no longer naturally grounded. Before then, we always, everybody was barefoot. I mean, you know, some portion of the day over their life. And um, and then we started putting carpets on the floors because those plastic, we made carpet, those old, ugly, green, shag carpets. <laughs> and, and then we, 
And then television came into the home and people started spending more time indoors rather than outdoors. When we were young, you couldn't get us in the house. But television came along, you couldn't get us out of the house. So anyhow, there was a environmental shift in 1960. Mm-hmm. And it was putting on the shoes and moving indoors. And not only that, we live on the, in a everybody's short vitamin D. It's because you got a roof over your house, your head. And throughout millennia, you know, we never had roofs. We had caves and whatever. But again, you still spent the majority of your time outdoors during daylight. <clears throat> and uh, so it goes on and on. This is, you know, uh, but and so anyhow, one day I was reading about the white or the neutrophil. And what happens is when you have a pathogen or a damaged cell in your body, the immune system or a neutrophil will swim over and it will encapsulate. It's kind of a jelly type cell. It'll wrap itself around the pathogen and then it releases what we call reactive oxygen species. The word reactive got my attention because that means it's electrically charged. It's got a huge charge on it. In fact, it is so electrically charged that it could rip chrome off of a bumper. I mean, <laughs> so wow. anyhow, so anyhow, that's because you don't rip electrons off of anything. That's not something you, you know. You need ionizing radiation or something. So anyhow, so here's the little jelly cell goes over and it oxidizes the pathogen by ripping the electrons away from the structure of the pathogen, and that's all normal. It's been doing that from the beginning of time. Problem is, we put on shoes. And when we put on the shoes, we no longer conduct earth, the ground, the electrical energy of the earth. We no longer connect it. And it's a sea of free electrons that anything connected to the earth, the, it absorbs these free electrons. And it's, and it's then you can say it's negative. The chassis of a refrigerator is negative. The chassis of a computer. Uh, anything connected to the earth is absorbing free electrons from the earth and equalizing with the earth has the same amount of electrons per as the earth does itself. Earth is infinitely large. Anything connected to it is infinitely small. So there's not a chance there could be a difference. Sitting in the pasture thinking, <laughs> I wasn't in the pasture, but this is my thought process, mm-hmm. is if grounding the body is reducing pain and pain is being caused by, and this, we learned this in 204, when Ritker and the boys back at Boston Mass came out with that article in Time Magazine front page, it said, you don't have cancer, you don't have this, you don't have that, you don't have what you have, is chronic inflammation. And it starts out at some point, and then it manifests differently in different people based on whether they smoke cigarettes or do this, or or their their mental state, their living environment, their lifestyle, and their living environments. You know, and I thought, wow, this is interesting. So then, but I instantly knew then that because you can't have pain unless you have inflammation. Inflammation, pain is a byproduct of inflammation. So if you have no inflammation in your body, you got no pain. But if you have pain, you have inflammation. So that was an eye-opening. And and so then I realized that while electrons are antioxidants, they reduce. That's what they do. They reduce radicals. (laughs) So... When we put the shoes on, we lost our ground and the body no longer had sufficient free electrons to reduce the remaining radicals left over after an oxidative burst. And those radicals would go and steal an electron from another healthy or adjacent cell, damage it, and then another neutrophil would come, clean up that mess, and so you you had a chain reaction. You started a fire. The fire is called inflammation, body inflamed. (laughs) <laughs> it's really, really that simple. It is not more complicated than that. You know, the medical industry is like, here's 10,000 drugs, here's 10,000 of this, 10,000 of that. But what everybody overlooks is nature. There is no money in nature. There is no money in natural cure or natural. But anyhow, this is a birthright. Grounding is a birthright. It's who you are. You are the earth up walking around. You come, you come from the earth. You eat the earth. You breathe it. You drink the earth. You live. And when you're done, you go back to the earth. Now, there may be other things. I don't know. That's some, that's another thing. But I know this body is earth up walking around. Hmm. 
and we've lost our electrical connection with the planet. That thing that bring that makes life life. If there were no free electrons on the planet, there would be no birds, no plants, no people, no no life. You have to have these electrons. But it's this dance because the this the earth is charged with free electrons and photons from the sun. We are sunlight. I mean, we are all actually it's the free electrons from the sun that yeah. energize the earth, that that create all the life on the earth, and we are a piece and a part of it. We are not separate, we're not different, we are all the same, we're all one thing, we're all connected. And we all ought to recognize that and get along a little better. But but anyhow, um, so I was lucky, man. I'm the luckiest guy that ever that ever that ever lived because I've always been an entrepreneur. And I once something is understood and uncovered, then my job is done. But when this came along, it was the day I discovered this was the best day and the worst day of my life at at that day because. I discovered something no one else was aware of at that time. Not that it's new; it was just uh, just awareness. And and um, the problem was is nobody knew about it. So I had to talk to every single person one on one for years, <laughs> and then groups, and then larger groups. Now with the internet and everything, we can talk to a million people at a time. And so it's working. But I got to play a part in all of this. It took an army of researchers and other people to come along and help me. It took a millions of moms who said, oh, my God, this works. I need this for my mom. I need this for my grandson or whoever. They are ones who picked up the challenge. They didn't care about the science. It worked. It's obvious. People feel better. The pain goes away. They look younger. They're healthier. Get grounded. So we. So all we did was raise the consciousness. And I, we're not done yet. But to for people to realize that we are a piece and a part of the earth and we need that electrical connection. We need that spiritual connection with the earth. Whether whatever it is, that force, that that synchronicity between all of us that connects us all. We're all singing to the same tune. We're all dancing, you know, together. And it, I mean, all this drama that everybody creates, it's all entertainment. But bottom line, we're no different, <laughs> you know, than the elk or the deer or the coyote or anybody else or the rabbits running out in the pasture. We're all the same. We're just trying to survive and get along and protect our territories and so on. But you know, I don't have the answers. I just am grateful that I've been able to really um, help the moms because they're the ones who take care of their moms and their families and their husbands and the men of the world. And men are too busy out chasing the money and fighting the bear. And I understand all of that. And so it's not that anybody's to blame. It's just um, shoes came along. With them. That was a real, a real advantage. Now we can afford to, everybody could afford shoes. They were inexpensive. You could wear them in the mud puddles. It didn't matter if they got wet. <laughs> and so shoes were a real convenience. But it's a double-edged sword. And we didn't know that. We didn't know that we were giving up our electrical connection with the earth. And I'm 80 years old. I can still walk four or five miles is fine, pushing in after that. But I don't have the aches and pains. I do have aches and pains because entropy is real. I don't care who you are. When you hit 80, it's a lot of work <laughs> to stay healthy and keep going. You do not stop, not even for a day. You have to keep moving. You have to keep eating the right things and doing the right things and thinking the right things. Exactly. And, yeah. And mental is more of it than people will ever understand because it's like you can put grounding will ground out the fire, the inflammation, stop it. But you have to ask yourself what's feeding the fire. Oftentimes it's not what you're eating. It's what's eating you. It's what's in your mind, your anger, your, your fear, your, you lost this or this or the world life didn't turn out the way it did. doesn't matter how life turned out. You're still alive. You really be happy. <laughs> this is great. <laughs> Clint, on that note, um, obviously people can go to your website, which is earthing.com, folks. Uh -huh. And your book is Earthing, the most important health discovery ever. We're going to put a link below, friends, so you can grab a copy okay. of that. What? Cool. 
what physically would you recommend to to individuals so i mean just if i use myself as an example i guess i never thought of it like this but i'm quite fortunate that i've got a sauna it's in the backyard um funny enough yeah (laughs) and um after i sauna i jump in the the plunge pool which is a a former whiskey barrel and and I guess I'm a bit lucky because I'm usually too lazy to put my flip-flops on. <laughs> so yeah, no, I, yeah. so I just walk out the back in all weathers, doesn't matter whether it's winter or um, barefoot. Right. I, I really never made that connection. Although back in the day, I used to love barefoot running. It was just such a great feeling. Yeah. Run along yeah, so the beach or, yes. yeah, or run mm. on the grass. It was, it was phenomenal. Um, so for people watching... Other than do you know do do your do your research, folks? What what would you recommend? The the first thing that I recommend to everyone, and especially moms, um, <clears throat> at you have to find a half hour a day, uh, and you have to go outdoors, take a chair if if you have to, but sit down, take your shoes off, put your bare feet on the earth, and keep them there for thirty minutes at least, because your blood circulates once every thirty minutes. And the inflammation, if you have inflammation anywhere, you have inflammation everywhere in your body. It's just going to manifest in the weaker parts of your body more so. So, but anyhow, if you can, first of all, you have to come to terms with, is this real or is this not? Is this a joke? I mean, seriously, you expect me to take my shoes off and it's going to make me feel better? Yes, that's what we're saying. And and what it does, the first thing that will happen in 30 minutes is your blood will thin. When you're indoors, you're short of electrons and your blood is thick and sticky and your skin is a little more gray and gaunt and, and less energetic. Um, so, but anyhow, the first thing that's going to happen is your blood viscosity is going to thin. Now the blood can get in and out of the capillaries. And this is all in the staff power here. And, and it'll oxygenate the tissue, the extremities. It'll clean out the you know, the spirochetes and the debris and all the other stuff is stored in your ends of your uh, nerves and so on. And and then your respiration will change. For a little bit, it'll increase, and then it will eventually end up decreasing as the lungs kind of clear and expand and whatever. Uh, then, but there's a couple, you know, that I may be going too far there, but but the main thing that happens is all of a sudden you can feel the pain drain from your body whether you understand that it's coming electrons coming from the earth and neutralizing the radicals that are in the body or that the pain is just draining into the earth does not matter but the i mean the experience is the same so anyhow as the pain starts to drain and your blood viscosity and your color comes up then the demeanor on your face is going to change and the anger and the upset and the stress of the day seems to kind of melt away. And and then all of a sudden you you got a little smile and you feel better. The pain has come down. And doesn't mean uh you know it's the end of the, I mean <laughs> you're not gonna get up and go dancing in the, across the meadows like Mary Poppins, but but you but you're gonna you're going to feel different. But what you're feeling is the energy of the earth. And this earth is infinitely large. But when you touch it, your body becomes enveloped in this energy. And you cannot have inflammation in a grounded body. <clears throat> That's why we ground amplifiers. That's why we ground electrical systems. But most of all, take a look at the wild animals, the animals who live indoors with their owners versus the animals who live outdoors, barefoot on the earth, sleep on the earth, whatever. By and large, cancer does not exist in the natural world. On the other hand, animals who live indoors with their owners, 50% of them die from cancer, just like their owners. Okay, so this is an environmental thing. This isn't because I ate that or because I believe this or anything. The health issues that most people are suffering from, and especially women, are environmental. And when I say environmental, it's not just 
you know, the roof over your head and so on. It's what's going on in your mind, the mental environment that you have going on. You know, am I, you know, whatever. That's everybody's story is different. I don't want to go there. But but anyhow, you, you get the concept there. Um, but anyhow, this is, so you have to, first of all, become aware. Does earthing make me feel better? Do I sleep better? Is my health better? Is the pain gone away? Do Do my health disorders that are, running my life, are they slowly diminishing and disappearing? If they are, then wake up. It's free. That's why earthing is the most important health discovery ever, because it is 100% absolutely free. It's a birthright. Health is a birthright. Look at the animal kingdom. You have, I, I know there's, it's, I say it often, is I have somewhere between 7,500 and 10,000 grandmothers all in a row that go back to the time first homo sapiens walked around 150,000 years ago. These people got me here. They didn't have all the resources we had. The main health resource they had was the earth, the food and everything produced by the earth, the air, the sun. There is a natural health program that nature provides that got me here, got this body here from millennia of moms, whatever, however you want to say it. Mm -hmm. But but something is really amiss, And but I think that we've nailed it here. And please just take your shoes off and get well for free. And, and if you've got serious problems, take care. Go to a doctor. I'm not knocking a doctor, not for a second. I'm just saying, be take a little responsibility here. Go experiment. This is free. Yes, I couldn't agree more, Clint. I'm I'm just of the belief, you know, get back to nature, folks, even though we don't live in the nature, you know, get wet, right. get yes. wet. That's what we did yeah. for for hundreds of thousands of years. We got wet. We ate yeah. natural stuff from the forest. We didn't chase after big hunks of meat, you know, all day, no. every single day. No. Um, it's funny. The second I thought get wet. It's just poured down with rain here, and it's been really sunny for a couple of days. Um, awesome. But I call that synchronicity, you know. Um, yeah, and it's a I'm message. Yeah, I'm starting to really appreciate that um, lately. And, yeah. um, yes, get yourself grounded, folks. Not natural, is it, to wear rubber shoes when, when yeah. our body's made up of electrical current and, um, you know. Um, it, Clint, it's all fascinating stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, I, I, I could chat you all, all night, but we're trying to keep our podcast a bit shorter to, um, yeah. to make them more appetizing for people that don't have hours and hours to watch the long form. So we'll give your website a shout out again, earthing.com, folks. There's a link below Clint's book, Earthing, the most important health discovery ever. As with a lot of things, you, you, you've got to find, you've got to find the way in this. I'm pretty sure I can figure a way when I'm sat in the sauna for a, for an hour in the morning or half an hour. There's probably a way I can earth myself well, 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 while, yeah. while I do yeah. it. Well, the sauna is already earthed. I mean, you got, you know, it, it's, there's probably a wood, a wood shell, right? Yeah, it's a wooden shell. Uh, the, the heater is certainly earth. The actual sauna itself, because it's all, but yeah. is it a steam? Do you use any steam, hot rock steam? Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. You're getting, you know, it's all good. It's all good. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, it all, it all works. Brilliant, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. Clint, um, sending you uh, love and best wishes to you and yours. Please come on the show again at some point. Oh, I love you. <laughs> um, it's, it's been a fascinating chat. You're, you're certainly looking very well on it. Well, thank you. Um I Yes, <laughs> I, was just, I was expecting you to say that I run marathons because that's how that's how yeah. how fit fit you look. You know, exercise and health and all that stuff. I mean, it's all important in moderation. Most yeah. people exercise way too much; they create too much inflammation in their bodies, especially when they're wearing rubber. But but I always look at the animal world to find the truth of health and nature. I don't see animal out there running you know five miles a day. I don't see you know everybody you know it's. We're missing something. I mean, we're looking for health, but we actually don't realize the connection between our body and the earth that we're, and we've got to restore that connection and that energy. 
because it has a lot more to do than just reducing inflammation. It has Absolutely. everything to, to do with your energy. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, anyhow, but no, I try to exercise enough to keep the blood moving and to keep the joints moving. But uh, if I would go too far, then I'll create more, do more damage than it's worth. Then <laughs> stay on the line just so I can thank you properly when I hit the record button off. But um, to our friends out there, a massive thank you to Clint again. Massive thank you to all, for you all to, for watching. If you could like and subscribe, we'd really appreciate it. And if you could support the Patreon or become a channel member, it's just £1.99 a month. It's it you can't even get a cup of coffee for that and we we think we're worth it much much love friends thank you for listening to the bought the t-shirt podcast please like subscribe and share and don't forget to follow me on social media username chris thrall instagram chris dot thrall thank you